Well, hey, good morning and welcome to Christ Church. It's so good to be with you in the dark in the moment. Ah, there we go. Let there be light. Uh, it is so good to be with you this morning, whether you're here in the West Auditorium, whether you're joining us online, or you're joining us over in the East Auditorium. It's just good for us to be in worship together. My name is Pastor Mike. I'm one of the pastors here on staff at Christ Church, and we are in our final week of our Let Us series, in which we look at three powerful statements from the book of Hebrews that all start with the uh, words, let us. And so the first week we talked about rest, and we talked about the ways in which we get the privilege of entering into God's rest because God has made us free, that we are subject to no man, and therefore we get time off. We get to take a break. We get to enter into God's rest, um, and that is God's gift to us. The second week we talked about holding firmly to what we believe, and particularly that we hold firm to our belief in Jesus Christ, that for us our belief is not in any particular doctrine or dogma, but it is in a person, in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This week we are focusing on entering into God's presence, that the author of Hebrews, their encouragement to us is to enter into God's presence. And so this verse comes from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14, or sorry, 15 through 16, which say this, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Man, that's a beautiful verse. I just kind of want to like drop my clicker and just like walk off because that just feels like it speaks for itself. Like that is such good news that the high priest of ours, Jesus, understands us in our weakness and that allows us to come boldly to the throne of our gracious God and there we will receive his mercy and find grace when we need it the most. I think that's so beautiful. And yet sometimes it's hard for us to do. Like, I don't know if anything in here trips you up, but there's a specific word in this passage that really trips me up every time I get to it, and it's this word, boldly. That, like, for me, the idea of coming boldly to the throne of God is kind of scary. Like, who am I as a human being in all of my frailty and weakness and my sinfulness and brokenness to come before the almighty creator of the universe? Like, who am I to enter into God's presence? Not even just to enter into God's presence, but to do so boldly. Like, who am I to do that? And so I think even for us as Christians, sometimes we lack this confidence that we are able to enter into God's presence with a sense of, of boldness. Now there's a story from my life that actually kind of helps me think about why it is that we get this privilege. Like what gives us the right to come in the presence of the creator of the entire universe and to come before him with a sense of boldness. And so there's this story of me and my friend Tom Hoffman from when we were in the second grade. And we were getting ready to go out to recess one day, and Tom and I and a bunch of our friends, we had schemed 
on this beautiful fall day to go play some touch football. And we get out on the playgrounds, and there is one very key thing missing in order for us to play football. Uh, football. <laughs> so we get out there, and usually uh, the gym teacher would bring out this like giant like cage that looked like a prison for all the sports balls and like roll it out there and unlock it. And you kind of had to like rummage through to find the ball you wanted, but it was almost always there. But it wasn't on this particular day. And so we went up to the closest adult and we said, hey, can you get the sports cage for us? And she was like, I'm sorry, I'm just a parent volunteer. Like, I don't have keys to do that. And so my friend Tom, he goes, okay, well, can I ask Mr. Hoffman to come and open it up for us? And she was like, sure, go right ahead. So Tom and I like went into the school to go find Mr. Hoffman. And if I'm about to lose you at this point in the story because you're like, who lets two seven-year-olds like run around a school unsupervised? Let me tell you, the 90s were wild times, man. <laughs> so we go into the school and we uh, go to Mr. Hoffman's room. He's not there. We go to the next room to find the next teacher, also not there. Because of course, it's lunchtime. And where are all the teachers at lunchtime? They are not in their classrooms. They're in the teacher's lounge. Of course, the one place in the entire school where no student is allowed upon pain of death. And so eventually we get to the teacher's lounge and Tom goes to open up the door and I grab him by the shoulder and I'm like, Tom, we can't go in there. We could get in so much trouble. What if they call our parents? And Tom just looks at me and he goes, Mike, it's okay. Mr. Hoffman is my dad. And to a second grader, like, I didn't understand that, like, teachers are, like, real human beings with families who have kids. Um, so, like, when he, like, went into the teacher's lounge anyway, I was kind of like, Godspeed, my friend. Like, I hope you come out alive. And sure enough, he comes out with Mr. Hoffman, a.k.a. his dad, and he came and opened up, um, he went and got the sports cage, and he opened it up for us, and we were able to play football. But what that story reminds me of is that the reason that we get to boldly enter into spaces that we don't feel equipped to be in is because we are God's children. That it's our relationship with the Father and that familial relationship as his kids that allows us to come boldly before him and be in God's presence even when we don't feel like we belong there. And it is in that relationship, that connection that we have between God, our Father, and us as his children that allows us to be in God's presence and to enter into God's presence boldly. Now, you might ask, like, what does that even look like for us to enter into God's presence boldly because there is no teacher's lounge to enter into. There is no stairway to heaven to get up to God. Like, what does it even look like for us to be in God's presence? And for us as believers, as Christians, we believe that the way that we enter into God's presence each and every day is through prayer. That prayer is that connection piece that allows us to boldly be in the presence of God. 
and make those asks when we need them. Now, I think what's really cool is that God asks us to make bold asks, that we are allowed to come before God with a sense of boldness, not just to be in God's presence, but also to make requests. And that God actually asks us to do that. Says, yeah, you can come to me with whatever you need, and I will be there to listen. Now, I think this idea of God as our father and our parent is really helpful in so many different ways, but here's one of the ways that it actually, like, creates a little bit of a hiccup for me personally, because I don't know what your relationship with your parents was like, but I know that, like, when I was a kid and I would ask things of my parents, you know what their favorite response was? No! And at a certain point, when you ask things of your parents often enough and you keep getting this word no over and over and over again, your boldness tends to atrophy. And you become less and less likely to want to make those requests even when it's something that you need. You start to get a tentative spirit when you come before them. And I think as Christians, sometimes we get that in our own lives as well, that when we pray to God, I think all of us at some point have experienced a prayer in which God has either said no to or not yet to. And that can be really hard for us, that when we hear that no or that not yet, It stifles our confidence in being bold and asking for the next thing that we need for ourselves. But what's really encouraging is that Jesus discourages us from stopping coming to God over and over again with the things that we need. In fact, in the book of Matthew, he says it this way. He says, You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread... Do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? See, Jesus is making this comparison that our heavenly Father is like a good dad who is willing to meet our needs when we ask for them, that there's no trickery involved, that when we ask for the things that we need, God isn't going to say, no, how about I give you the exact opposite? That God desires to bless us with the things that we need in the moments that we need them. Now, that doesn't make God some sort of cosmic genie who answers our every wish that God will still say no sometimes. And that's just a part of being in relationship with someone, that in no relationship that we have with anybody here on earth or in heaven is the answer always going to be yes 100% of the time. But my encouragement to us is that we do not let that come in between making the ask to begin with. It shouldn't stop us from spending time in prayer and in relationship with God just because we're afraid of the no. 
Because again, with my own human parents, I know that sometimes when I would be walking around with them at Target and I would ask for something, sometimes the answer was no, never, but sometimes the answer was no, not right now, but I'll think about it when your birthday or Christmas comes along. And I think that God works in the same way that sometimes it takes a while for our prayers to be answered, but it always comes in the time that we need it. So I want to think about this challenge of coming to God and asking things of God boldly. And I think that there are two challenges that I want to make to you as you introspect and you reflect on your own prayer life and what are the things that you are praying to God about. The first thing I want you to ask yourself as you think about what you've been praying about maybe in this last week or this last month is how would your life change if God said yes to all your prayers? And maybe the better question is, would anything change? This is a boldness test to say, are your prayers bold enough that anything would change if God said yes to your prayers? Would anything be different? Because I sincerely believe that God is looking to bring transformation in our lives, particularly in the areas that we need it. That when we are sick, when we're having financial struggles, when we're having difficulty in our relationship with friends and family members, God wants us to come to him and ask for transformation and change in those areas of our life. And our God, who is good and gracious, will meet us and answer yes to those requests. So that's the first thing, is this question of what would change in your life if God said yes to your prayers. But I think even more importantly is this second boldness test which is if you look at your prayers and the things that you've been praying about this last week, would anyone else's life change if God said yes to your prayers? Are you praying with a boldness that transforms not only your own life, but the lives of the people around you? Because in the same way that I needed to leverage Tom's relationship with his dad, to get the thing that I needed, there are people in your life, whether it be friends or coworkers, people out in the community, that need you to leverage your relationship with your Heavenly Father to meet their needs as well. That one of the blessings and the joys that we have as people of faith is that we get to make bold requests on behalf of other people to improve their lives and to bless them as well. And so there's this challenge to you that as you are praying this week, as you are entering into the presence of God and making these bold requests, think about how other people's lives would change if God said yes to your prayers. Now, some of you guys might be thinking like, well, all of this talk about entering into God's presence and making bold asks, that makes a lot of sense for the people who really have it all together, for the really holy types who spend time in prayer every day. But what about me? I don't spend a lot of time praying. It's been a long time since I dialed up God. What if I feel like my faith 
is inadequate for God to listen to me? What if I feel like I have done some things that God would never want to bless me because I've screwed up so many times? That my faith is weak and I fall into temptation every single day. Why would God ever say yes to me? Well, I would turn us back to Hebrews, to our verse that says, this high priest of ours, Jesus, understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. And when I look at this verse, I'm reminded that Jesus gets it. Jesus understands what it's like to be human. That Jesus lived his life as a human being so that God might better understand the experiences of humanity. And so there is nothing in your life, no amount of time lapsed in your relationship with God, no thing that you could have done that Jesus isn't going to understand. And I think this word understanding is actually really beautiful. Um, I was listening to this guy who's a professional headhunter, and I was watching a, a TikTok of him explaining what he thought was the most important thing as he was trying to find somebody who was a manager. And he said the number one thing that he looks for when he's trying to hire somebody to an important position of leadership is understanding. That he said the two things that are most important is that whoever is in leadership understands the things that the people that they are leading are doing and understands their process. And the second and even more important thing is that the leader understands and has empathy for the people that they're leading. Which I thought was really insightful because we have a God who does both. That in Jesus Christ, we are given a high priest who understands us in our weakness, who is able to, <laughs> to have empathy for our lived human experience and knows what it's like for us to experience temptation on a daily basis. Now, I think there's also an interesting cultural touch point. I don't know how many of you guys were watching the Super Bowl last week, um, but there was an interesting ad campaign that kind of had this same message to it called the He Gets Us campaign. And they had two ads in the Super Bowl, which I think is super jarring to be like watching the Super Bowl and like you're watching the commercials and it's like, here's an ad about Doritos and here's one about Bud Light and here's one about Jesus? But I thought it was super cool in that the underlying message was the same thing that we get from Hebrews, that Jesus gets us that Jesus understands what it is to be human. And because of that, we don't have to have any anxiety about coming before God. Now, with this campaign, like, I know that uh, if I had $100 million, I don't know if my kingdom purpose would be to spend it on Super Bowl ads. Um, but I still think that this is a really important concept to keep with us. This idea that Jesus does get us. 
And so we might think about all these things and we might still feel like, man, I really just, if Jesus really understands everything about me, that's even more reason for God not to answer my bold requests. Like, what if I still feel unworthy to enter into God's presence because I have done so many things wrong that there is no possible way that God would ever allow me to be in his presence? One of the things that we get from culture all the time is this image of a God who judges. That whenever we come face to face with God, we are going to be met And God is going to push all of the ways that we've screwed up right back into our face. And that can be a really scary prospect that who in the right mind, even if we could be in the presence of God, who would want to be in the presence of God if all we are going to face is a sense of judgment and condemnation? But again, the assurance that we get from Hebrews is this. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God and there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. You see, because of Jesus, we are certain that when we come into God's presence, we will receive mercy first and that in God's grace, we will find help in the times that we need it most. That for us, our operating idea of God is not one of condemnation and judgment who is looking to send us to hell, but one who meets us with mercy and grace at every corner. We have a God who promises to be there when we need it most. Not just when we feel like we have our lives all together, when our faith is the strongest, but in fact, when our faith is faltering, when we feel like we have screwed up for the final time, that's when God shows up and shows up in a way that is gracious and merciful. And because of that, we are free as his children to then approach the rest of the world not with a sense of judgment or condemnation, but we also get to bear that sense of mercy and grace with us. Because one thing is for certain, God forgives you. Whatever you have done in your life, God has already forgiven you that his mercy is there for you at all times and that we as his people get to respond in joy by offering that same forgiveness and mercy and grace to others. And so let us enter into God's presence with a sense of boldness that we might come before God as his children having that confidence that we can go to dad whenever we need, that our God desires that relationship with us, that we can ask for the things that we need when we need them, 
And we don't have to have any sort of sense of anxiety coming before God, thinking that we've done too many things that put distance between us and God and God will never accept us. God has already met us with mercy and grace. And so let us enter through prayer boldly, knowing that God is our certain help when we need it most. Amen? Let's pray. God, we give you thanks that you have met us in your son, Jesus Christ. That through his life and death and resurrection, that he knows what it means to be human, that you understand us, that you get us, that you have called us your children and call us to be in relationship with you and to come boldly before you. God, we ask that as we reflect on our own prayer lives, the things that we have asked of you and the things that we haven't asked, we ask that you might prune away the things that are unhelpful, but that you might give us a sense of boldness to ask for the things that we need in the times that we need them. God, we ask for your transformation in our own lives, but also in the lives of the people we love, in our families, in our churches, in our schools, and in the entire world, God, we ask for your presence that you are making all things new. May we come with a sense of boldness to partner with you as you make the world into your image, bringing about the kingdom that you desire for all of us. God, we are sorry for the ways in which we've messed up we're sorry for the ways in which we have pushed you away and pushed others away. But we give you thanks that there is certainty in your forgiveness, that you have already met us with mercy and grace and will continue to do so for the rest of our lives. So God, walk with us now. Be present in us as we are present with you as we move into your future. It's in your name we pray. Amen.